Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sales Masters Podcast. This is going to be the hub for any professional out there who's looking to get to that next level within their business. Not only are they going to be dropping tips, but bringing in the absolute titans of industry. Big names out there, like the people like David Meltzer, leaders of their industry. We're going to share with you exactly how they got there, the problems they faced, how they overcome it so you can use them within your business. We're going to be dropping weekly gems that you can go off to help you get up to that next level. And we look forward to having you here on the journey. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Sales Master Podcast. Today, we are joined by Sam Harris, co-founder of Reason FM, angel investor. I was reading here on your bio here. Your host, Sam, finds remarkable individuals doing extraordinary things, breaks the processes down to show you how anyone can achieve anything. Welcome. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Good My to pleasure you. to be here. Well, yeah, I mean, we're having a good little chat there. It always happens with podcasts. I get on there. Uh, I had it the other day and I was chatting to someone for about 40 minutes and I was like, we best press record. So thanks for joining <laughs> us on today. You're over in Fort, Fort, I can never say it, Spain. Yes, Canary <laughs> Islands. One of the great things about the modern world, right? But we can go off and just up roots and go off and work wherever we want. I mean, has this yeah. always been one of the goals for you within business or is it just a convenient benefit? It is... Yeah, it's always been one of the goals. I uh, started traveling when I was pretty young, did like a gap year before university and sort of went around the world. And yeah, ever since then, I was like, not that settled. Well, happy with being settled anywhere. And I think like 2015, I was like, I'm not having another winter in the UK, yeah. <laughs> which has not gone very well. <laughs> There's like quite a few winters in the UK since, but it's just, I don't know, I just love adventure and seeing different places and exploring and if you combine that with work, I think you just have more energy for the work to do it better and enjoy it rather than sort of sitting there hating yourself. And you can either, I don't really like complaining about things, but if I'm in the UK, I, I feel like I want to complain the whole time about the weather. So you can either just change your situation or not complain and get on with it. And I'd rather not have to deal with the problems and so change my situation. Mm. And that generally means, well, before it used to mean that you couldn't really work for other people if you couldn't work remote. I think now after COVID, it's there are a lot more jobs that let you do that. But that's one of the reasons why I've always been entrepreneurial for the last 10 years is I just want to do things in a way that works for me. Yeah, I mean, all the, the vid dramas that we've got, I think there's some benefits that have come out for it, especially for businesses. I mean, I look now mm. for, for what I do. Companies used to insist on, we need you to come in. We need you here for the next five days or seven days at the office, sat at someone's desk. And it just was never the best format of a way to actually do things where now I've got clients in like nine countries, high clients, and they're very much used to that and their teams working remotely. So everyone's had to adapt. So were you set ready for the changes that have come up anyway? So it's just been effective for you or did you have to make any big pivots because of the changes in the world? I started the business as lockdown happened. So it's kind of been pretty random. We got into Techstars, like a business accelerator in summer of 2020 and it was really nice that that was actually in person because by that point you'd been like missing humans and it was so yeah, yeah. great to actually Everyone's have a craving few months. interaction yeah 
So having like a few months of like 10 other businesses around to get to know all the founders really well was awesome. And then we went into lockdown again for December, which is when we had the demo day. And that was terrible online. So before they used to do these demo days where like all the startups would pitch and there'd be like 200 VCs in the audience mm-hmm. and these like big theaters and it'd be like super hyped up. Yeah, and then yeah. you get to meet them all afterwards, get all this deal flow. And instead you end up on like a shitty Zoom call where no one can even be logged in because they've got all these different like Zoom calls they can log into with like deal flow and they're busy. And so like no one turns up to this demo day and you're just like, oh, that was, what was the point of this accelerator as far as actually getting your business funded? So that was a bit of a problem, but it does mean that I can kind of work from where I want and VCs don't need you necessarily being in London for things. Mm. So that is kind of better. So there have certainly been problems. Yeah, so sure. I think one of these big... I was talking to Ken Joslin yesterday, who's got Growth Stack Drive with Grant Cardone. And I was saying to him, Bear, said, how much is, when you're doing these big events, how much is being at the event and getting the result? But how much is actually meeting the right people, shaking the right hands? And that must be yeah. rife in your world, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the same, I mean, I went to Web Summit and the first day I didn't really know what I was doing. I kind of went to all the actual people on stage talking and it was like I could just listen to any of these things on a podcast where it's better than people sort of turning up for 15 minutes with Mm. an audience that they're a bit scared because they're not used to talking in front of audiences and so the actual content wasn't that great but the benefit of Web Summit is that there's like thousands of amazing entrepreneurs and people doing cool stuff in tech and if you just go and meet as many people as possible it's just like a three-day festival of awesome people that you can meet so didn't turn up to any events the rest of the thing just hustled and spoke to lots of people and then it was great but you can't do that when it's like the online version. The online sign can be, it's not, even if you had everyone's thing and you follow up, hi, great to share a screen with you. Like it's really yeah. hard to build that human interaction. So important. You mm. can do, we forget how big a difference it makes. So where do you see this going now? Do you see that all the problems that we've got is going to be more of a benefit for you long-term, even if a country goes back to normal, or is there going to be hurdles that you guys can foresee with where you're at, if the VC side is changing more? Mm. I, I think I've been able to form some really good relationships with a few core people. And so that's really helped. And doing, running things like a podcast where you can get people on for like a deeper conversation mm. outside of just the business pitch side is really, really handy and like a sort of a secret recipe skill asset. I don't know what you want to call it, that you can't, if you don't have the time to meet people in person, but certainly as a sales thing which is what this podcast is about it is it does make things a bit more challenging but depends on who you're selling to as well as in businesses that have like a specific they just want like xyz and you can kind of say that it's it doesn't matter so much but like i think sales is always a bit well is personal about relationships Mm. which is easier in person as long as there's a bit of I think I do need to be in London. So like next week I am going back to meet a few investors that just want to do some face-to-face quickly. And um, yeah, it's just going to be a blend and trying to sort of, I don't know, trying to exactly say what it is that you're doing. Cause it can be easier to be like binary one or the other around like, Hey, we're going to be a completely remote company and we're going to have staff all over the world. That's good. Or if you're sort of like, okay, we're going to have some staff in a London office and then some people sort of over the world, but they get left out because you're not doing remote properly. I think that can kind of cause a problem when you go right in the middle. So Currently, we don't have that many staff and it's, it's okay. There's only four of us. And it's just, I'm worried that I might completely mess this up coming up if I do actually manage to raise my fundraising and turn it into a bigger company in a mess. Because, yeah, this is what I've heard. <laughs> well, and, and this is the thing with the networking side, right? When we do something for the first time, there's going to be the intrepidation, there's going to be the nerves, the, there's the unknown. So when you're doing this, do you seek a lot of counsel? Because a lot of people, when I talked about sales side, 
everyone who's done selling, the age-old thing always comes out. Oh, yeah, sales, I've done that. But it must be similar with what you're doing. When you're raising capital, you must talk to a lot of people that have said they've got great words and you've got people who've had great results. How do you differentiate between the two? Is there certain things that you look for with people? Because I think this is important in sales and business in general, is how do we identify those people that are going to be of benefit and the ones that, to be frank, are completely full of BS, um, but they sound like they can really help us. Mm. It is hard with raising money because partly it's how desperate are you for money right now? And anyone that sort of is willing to give you money is it's better than no one, but you can take on sort of VCs that are super shit and they're just going to require the wrong things from you and can be really limiting to you. And then you don't know. So there's, there's a nice website called landscape VC, which has lots of ratings on VCs oh, Really? of, um, yeah. <laughs> have they messed people around? Do they kind of require different things? And ideally we do, are looking for people that, totally get the world so we have what is looking very promising to be our lead vc and they uh the partner i kind of know knew before and he runs quite a few podcasts i'm now co-hosting a podcast with him and totally gets exactly what we're doing and so like someone like that is ideal whereas if it's someone that doesn't really get podcasting and just like well the audio industry i think it's taking off we'll just put a bet on it somewhere and then like they don't really care how we do it or what we do and can't really offer advice is not so useful but if we can't get someone else to give us money like we need money and we need to grow and like there's a big opportunity right now for what we're doing. And I just need to, as a CEO, like my three most important things are fundraising, setting a vision and hiring the right people. Mm. And as long as I can kind of control the vision and who I hire, despite where the money comes from, I guess it's okay. But it, yeah, it's still a hard, confusing hard thing one, to right? do. <laughs> and it's just like so much stress when you're like, maybe not doing something that you're, ba- you're really good at. So I'm okay at sales, which is something I never thought I would be good at. But when I started businesses, I just I just love solving problems for people. Right. And they also solving problems. So I, I'm not pushy as a seller. I'm not going to sell someone something they don't need, but I'm going to find the right people to sell things to and solve their problems. So that that I've really enjoyed. But with VCs, I found that a bit more confusing because it's a different form of thing that you're selling. You're selling like your company is an opportunity. And I'm always like one foot in the pessimistic side of like, well, yeah. it's a startup <laughs> 99 and a hundred will fail. And then we're trying to do some ridiculously big, crazy thing. So it's obviously like <laughs> has the problems and yeah, we could be this huge thing. I'm pretty confident about it, but also like, I don't know what I'm doing half the time and I'm going to need your help. Whereas in the, in the initial part of the conversation with the VCs, you're supposed to be completely credible and know exactly what you're doing and how you're going to get the path to be a billion dollar company. And then once they are your VC, they have to be friends with you and you're able to go to them with all of your problems and how you don't actually know what you're doing. You needed the help. And I sort of go with it all at once as opposed to like <laughs> the start with just the perfect stuff. And then like the second part of, Oh, by the way, actually, how do I hire this person? And like, yeah, HR, what's going on there? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and yeah, mm. life. Yeah, and this is the same with anything in business, right? There's always going to be parts that we know that we're good at. There's things that we're effective in. So if we're looking at the top areas that you're effective in, so you, you, you're quite comfortable with doing the sales side. So do you yeah. look for people similar to you at the minute to come through with equal skills or are there certain areas now where you go, okay, this is where I'm at my limit, how mm. do I get to that next stage? Or because my big thing's always been, if I don't know how to do something, how do I know how to hire the person who does and spot the BS? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So 
something that I'm getting comfortable with is, is my weaknesses and realizing them. And when I started, I've always been quite good at learning things. Like I run the growth mindset podcast and I, you know, believe that you can get good at anything. And when I started, I was terrible at any kind of writing or speaking. English was my worst thing. I'm dyslexic. I, I remember doing like the speech that you had to do for English instead of just pretending that I'd lost my notes. So I could sit down earlier because I was so embarrassed and like I started a podcast just to sort of get over that. And then I ended up doing like stand-up comedy and like a TEDx really? and things. Yeah. So I went on a real self-development journey there and got better at that. But then I've also got like a bit of ADD and I just find it really difficult to be structured, which I didn't think of. Cause when you run a business, they say you need like a hipster, a hacker and a hustler. Mm. Like I've learned to code so I can hack. I've always been like trying to sell things. So I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely a hustler and I'm like kind of creative and I like making things like podcasts and writing and stuff. So I'm like, cool. I'm kind of all of these things. So I'll just sort of find the ones like opportunities for good people. But I'm like, actually, okay, I'm good at hustling in some ways, but I'm shitting terrible at organizing things and sort of making like a proper company side of organization yeah. things. So actually, I really need a COO that knows what the hell they're doing. It's like a proper sort of organized hustler and I could just go and be creative and do my own things when I kind of feel like it, when the energy arrives and stuff and, and have someone to deal with how awful I am at some things that I didn't used to think I was bad at. Cause I kind of just, like I said, I've always run my own businesses. So all the things that I'm kind of bad at, I had time to kind of get around to giving, delivering results. And I'd say on any given day, I'm super unproductive, but every year I do like some amazing <laughs> things. That makes sense. Yeah, 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 it does. But, and, <laughs> and like, but I take so much time to get there. Whereas I should be delivering results daily as a CEO running a company. And I really struggle find, with that. Do you find that you've got, I always talk about the analogy, you're building 10 jigsaws at once and suddenly they all yes. come together at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So if someone watching me, it's just like, Sam just causes chaos for like three months and then like it arrives. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> if you want investors and you have a team around you, they kind of need to sort of know what they're doing every day of the week. <laughs> and, that, and that's um, something I definitely have realized I need help with. So that's like my co-founder on the technical side, he's great, but I'm, definitely looking to hire like a proper organized side of COO person. Mm. And you can have companies where you only have two co-founders, but I'm like, we definitely need a third because I am just going to sort of shoot myself or someone will shoot me. (laughs) It's an interesting part with this as well, because with the changes we're seeing now, especially in the whole tech world with all the metaverse and all the other stuff that's going on, everyone gets so excited now. And if it new comes out, do you find yourself getting lured in by, big changes so all the metaverse stuff coming out do you go okay where's yeah. our opportunity in that or do yeah, you so stay sure. very single focus I, um, I mean I'm quite into blockchain things and like, the whole NFT movement I do think there is an opportunity to add uh, sort of NFT creation into Pokemon so every podcast is an NFT and maybe being able to like social tokens so people can kind of support you from the start and like there's only like a hundred tokens that you can get and that like mm. gives you private access to your discord but also sort of makes you sound like you're like a ball advocate of said podcast or something and it sort of makes sense for artists and people wanting to monetize but it's just like a whole another set of features that almost requires another pitch deck and kind of can confuse some vcs if you're pitching to specific vc that really likes blockchain like great but it's actually sort of confusing and adding more and more features into something that's already trying to do everything. So I am highly distractible. But part of what I'm trying to work out is letting myself do enough things that are a bit distracting and satisfy my curiosity so that I can still stay focused. Yes. If that makes sense. Because something I learned, like I was doing some one job where I had to do quite a lot of like 
admin sort of, it was like high level spreadsheets and organizing the systems of entire energy plants and things that like you had to be quite smart to know how to, what to put in all the data, but it was still just like moving data around. Yeah. But I found if I was listening to a podcast or an audiobook, like half my brain was just in a different world. Mm. And then I could just spend all day doing it. But then like for running a business, you kind of need to relentlessly just keep on dealing with like one problem until that problem's fixed. And it can be quite difficult for someone that's used to solving like a million problems at once and being distracted. So at least like when I'm having a pod, well, I've got a few podcasts where I just get to talk about different things. It's like a bit of an outlet for me creatively. Yeah. And I also run a newsletter now each week just to give myself a few hours of just thinking about the world in whatever happens to go into my brain and being able to like know that I can explore stuff creatively Mm -hmm. and then like put it somewhere and then just get back to like working but having like a bit of satisfaction in there. I think everyone needs to get that out right there's certain parts of us and I think we we all have certain needs but we don't necessarily fulfill whether that's writing out whether it's the words or the thoughts will be you're an artistic person and you need to go and paint or you need to you know people who just got hyped up energy and until they've got, got it out of their system, they can't focus as much. And a lot of people, they just seem to try and push away from that. But I think mm-hmm. that's changing now in business more, isn't it? I think it's more open and businesses are, whether wanting to or being forced, they're having to be more accepting that everyone's a bit different and giving people yeah. a bit more freedom. Do you find that in the space that you're in is the same? Or are you very much having to almost marry up purposefully and perfectly for a VC because you know exactly the parameters they're really going to look for. Yeah. Well, I mean, the VC maybe doesn't go quite in depth into what, how you work as a person. Right. Okay. They, they kind of care a bit more about results than they necessarily see the day to day. But the one I was talking about that sort of run a podcast, totally get stuff like the, the main partner that I'm working with actually asked me about why I got into podcasting. And he had the exact same reasons around having a bit of an attention disorder and the fact that, right when you sit for an hour and talk to someone, one, you're super influent at the time and two, you've really enjoyed doing it. And so you create this content that you then have to deal with and it's enough of an urgency that you have to deal with it to get that content out. Mm. And so you can kind of keep it going. Whereas like other creative pursuits can be harder. So like writing or something, there's no one that's cares each week. If you actually do that writing, if that makes sense, there's no one on your back. I haven't done an interview with someone else who's wants to know when that, pieces coming out yeah so it's a bit harder and um so that was quite a nice realization to actually see that it did care about like how i reached that problem and um so that was good but otherwise yeah it can be interesting and certainly some vcs are trying to help founders on their mental health and provide resources for them and they will tell you to take a holiday and things but ultimately they also care about your results and things and so i've been in calls where people have been like sam you're working too hard you're too stressed take a holiday take some time out but what yeah. are the results? What are the results? How are we going to improve things this year? And I'm like, how can well, you go on holiday and, and get more get out of myself? And, yeah. <laughs> but I also can't go on holiday next week. And uh, it is a dilemma. And basically running a company is super stressful. I have so many friends having like panic attacks and like serious mental health stress disorders. And it's one of those weird conundrums around you can kind of potentially build something that is much more for your lifestyle mm. and satisfies your in a need to do something bigger than yourself rather than just working for someone and stops you from being stressed and depressed about looking at the world and feeling like you should have done something useful in it. But equally, 
even when you're doing it, it's still super stressful because there's people raising like five times more money than you and having that. Do you find it's a very comparable? Do you find yourself comparing? Yeah, to, how have they got it paid this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's so many companies that have built less stuff than me in like the audio space and have just raised like a way bigger round without doing anything. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so I've done something five times better and yeah, can't raise money yet. And that's how annoying. do you handle that when that happens? Is there a process that you go through? Because with sales and business and for entrepreneurs, there's a lot of people who are listening to this sort of solopreneurs and they're wearing all the hats, right? They're yeah. not trying to raise money. But they also know that they've got a good product. They've got a good product, intentions. They know they can help people. But then mm. they see other people that are pretty shocking at what they do and they seem to be flying. So how do you process that? Do you just deal with that energy and just go, oh, mm. it is what it is? Is there a certain thing you do or does it drive you more? To yeah, it can. Get it certainly drives you more to see that there's opportunities and that there's stuff you haven't realized that you can improve on with your pitch deck with the way that you're pitching and things and where your focus is and i think just practicing gratitude is a huge one because it's very easy to look compare yourself upwards and see what people have achieved whether it's like your podcast hasn't got as many downloads as like all the people above you and you're always looking up but then if you do as to do stop for a bit and recognize your successes it's like okay there's probably lots of good things you can be grateful for. And if you can afford to even be running a company and following your dreams, that's like amazing. Yeah. And it's just, it's not naturally in our DNA to really stop and be that satisfied, especially and it's dangerous, when there's so much though, stuff it? around I, you. I, I, yeah. dangerous is probably, I, I use the word dangerous is probably a better word, but I think it is dangerous to your future life with when we get to that complacency level and we don't have an urgency or a driving force to push us to that next level, I see it with salespeople, mm. right? But they get to about 60, 80K is like a really weird area where yeah. they're making a bit more money than their mates. They've got all their bills paid. They've got a nice car. They're going on holidays. They've got a decent watch. So like all the little things that everyone, like, as a younger person aspires to typically get or their investment. And if they suddenly lose that urge, because, oh, crap, well, what now? And it's like a... Yeah, if you've got these things, it's not even making you happy anyway. It's sort of... Yeah, and they get they end up in a trap to pay all this crap off that they didn't really need, and they mm. end up in just almost a cycle of what they're doing. What yeah, yeah. Say, say now, because you talk about mindset a lot. Mm. If people are in that mindset, if they're doing that now, how would you break someone out? How do you break yourself out of these sort of mental traps we put ourselves in okay so two things i want to talk about here so one i'll get to afterwards is like the opposite of this of finding the good ways of um actually like what you have achieved because it is important and can be as much of a problem and a limiter if you are constantly feeling shit and sort of overwhelmed but then on more specifically this side of things if you are kind of getting a bit complacent it's i think it's just knowing what your vision is for life and what your goals are because if you've got shitty goals, like having a nice watch and yeah. sort of money and things, and when I get that you, right, when you start to achieve them, happy. and you're like, like yeah, you just constantly got like another thing. Okay, well, I need to have a Ferrari now, and like it's just you just go up and up, and you don't really realize what it's going to feel like or what the point of it is. And it's very easy to think that it's going to be super awesome, but you don't really think about it from the other side. So let's say you see someone in a Ferrari, and you're like you don't think, wow, that's the coolest, most amazing man I've ever seen in his Ferrari. You think, that guy's a dickhead. I want a Ferrari. And <laughs> so when you're eventually, you get this Ferrari and you're sitting there, no one's looking at you like, wow, this guy's so amazing. Looking at you like you're a dickhead. And you sit there being like, well, there's all these people that look at me and they think I'm a dickhead. You're not having a good time. You're just sitting there feeling a bit self-conscious and it's not actually brilliant. 
your life isn't sorted. So kind of realizing that most people are just a bit more self-obsessed than thinking about themselves in that like whether you've got a fancy watch or a fry, it doesn't really matter at all. I don't know what it is. Those goals are, aren't even ours anyway, right? For a lot yeah, of people, yeah, exactly. It's, it's society that's others. gone. If you've got yeah. your Lambo, you're good. If you've got a yellow 18 karat gold Rolex with 54,000 diamonds around the strap and a ruby bracelet or whatever <laughs> people are going yeah. for now. And they get it and they get that buyer's remorse, right? Of, oh, is that it? Like that yeah, yeah. empty, soulless feeling. So what's a better way for people? If you've got people so, now. I would say instead of thinking about your specific goals, like what you want to have, it's better to be working on who you want to be. And I think a simpler thing is basically being someone who's just kind to people and is a nice person to be around and people like having you around and finding the people who are your tribe and let you be yourself the most and sort of understand your strengths and don't berate you about your weaknesses so you're not feeling like an idiot the whole time so you can spend most of your days having fun and being in flow and then you're just in a nice situation where you're happy to be working and doing things with people that you enjoy being with and people like having you around and then more opportunities come your way because you're being kind and happy and you're just in a better place the whole time and if you kind of in that area you're just always going to be enjoying yourself and life is about enjoying yourself and being happy so thinking more about like who you want to be rather than exactly like what you have is a much better way of doing that would be my answer there Mm, i like it and i think the big thing will i was telling someone uh, about five weeks ago a client of mine and he just said i don't know how i ended up in this position i went well most people don't right most Mm. people aren't now sat living the life that they wrote out when they were 14 years old. Exactly. Right. What happened was we started, we got our first job and then this happened and then we got this job and I went on this holiday and it got this credit card and we did this and they bought this house and it went here and then this changed and then this house. Like it was just a series of next step, next step, next step. But if we take 10 steps off and they're not the most aligned with who we want to become, you then suddenly are in a network where you're surrounded by people, but you're not trying to be like, and then Mm. people feel lost. And I think this is why so many people now feel lost and depressed and lonely because they're not getting the fuel to the soul that they actually have. Yeah. So instead of kind of trying to make decisions on what your goals are and what you have, like you sort of get like life is just so random. It's just like all these different things come at you when you make these decisions you're sort of seeking the wrong things. Whereas if your framework for like navigating life is who you want to be, it's much better. And you end up like riding the waves of opportunities rather than just being like sort of bashed around in the surf and having a shit time. So yeah, epic way of talking about that. Thanks. And then like the other thing I was going to say, which I'm not sure is now quite so related, but when you are essentially thinking about, you know, when you start speaking and you're like, I'm going to say something, but I've forgotten what I'm saying. Your brain hides it. I would say yeah, like, my, my brain's, brain's like a filing exactly cabinet and someone just shut the door. But nah, you're not having that information. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about goals and then basically getting a bit bored by them. And mm. the other side is, so I was talking about like celebrating your wins and you're saying, okay, you can feel like too successful and complacent. The other side is not feeling successful and basically always comparing yourself upwards and feeling shit and just always being stressed out. Like you have to work more right now and never taking a break. But I think that can also be very overwhelming and lead to burnout and stress and basically failing at whatever the hell you are doing. And taking a moment to actually sort of recognize that you've done something 
good is always in like the important but non-urgent box yes. of like the framework of things. But if you think about the fact that if you don't do it, you're going to get burnt out and just hate your life and maybe be miserable to be around and just never actually enjoy any of what you're doing. And the, the point of life is to enjoy yourself. Then it kind of becomes a bit more urgent and goes into like the raging fire of my life's going to implode if I don't do this. And so I think it is important to recognize the few good things that are happening and sort of analyze it. Cause it's just easy to bright breeze through life and not really think that you've done anything useful. And like, for example, I ran an ultra marathon last year. Did you? Like, yeah, which is epic, right? Yeah, yeah, but massive. I had I'd booked an ultramarathon that was like 110 kilometers through the Poland's in, through the mountains in Poland, and it was cancelled due to coronavirus. So I didn't do that one, and I just did one at home. I did like 70 kilometers, but I was completely unsupported. <laughs> unsupported you still did so 70 I, kilometers. Yeah, yeah, and I took like five kilos worth of stuff with me for the whole day, and it was like it was still super hard thing that 99.9 percent of people have never done with their life, but I did it. And then like, didn't even take five minutes to congratulate myself. I was like, yeah, I'll probably be, <laughs> hopefully you'll be able to do this of one in Poland, which I then didn't get to do that year. And I didn't really think that I'd succeeded anything that year. So I was like, my goal for the year was to run that really big one. And I got to the end of the year and was like, oh, I didn't achieve my goal. Damn. And then was like, wait, I've really thought about this the wrong way. I yeah. still ran an ultra marathon. That was freaking nuts. Like a year before this, I couldn't Why do you not celebrate that more? Do you think there's part of it that if we celebrate I- too many of our successes, we might become complacent? Yeah, I Start think I just high on our own had already set myself a bigger goal. So like as part of the journey to get there, I didn't really think about enjoying those things. And mm. it just wasn't in my head as like a big thing. And I, with comparing yourself upwards is in when you start following people that run ultramarathons and things, so there's people doing crazy nuts level shit. And you, that's mostly what you see. You don't see any of like the rest of the people that are kind of average. So you don't realize that you're in the top 1%. You kind of just you only see the amazing people like on Instagram or whatever that are doing things. Same supposed- as someone who comes last in the hundred meters at the Olympics. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you're still at the Olympics. But you're in the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. You're still at the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all right, I come fifth. You're the fifth fastest person in the world. Right now, hmm. of everyone on the planet, you're the fifth fastest. You're doing pretty well. And it's weird, isn't it? But I think there's that part as well. But when we look at the LeBrons and the Kobe's and these people that train like absolute beasts, there's a level in their head, but they're not satisfied. Yeah. There's a hard sure. one to know on all. Oh, because I, one of my really great friends, and this isn't saying bad about people who don't have goals. Like he's the happiest person I know. And like, he's nice. just not like, he's yeah, honestly he is over the moon in life. And like, he just got 20 grand car. He's got the house, nothing crazy. Like doesn't do any big holiday, but he's honestly always happy. And I yeah. said, like, do you feel happy or is it just like you feel like elevated when you're with us? It's like, oh, I'm just like, everyone's like this. I'm like, no, no, they're yeah. not. Like the amount yeah, of people. Got... And we were sat there talking. I was like, look at that guy there. You can see how stressed he was. And he was queuing for a beer on like a nice, sun, 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 uh, nice sunny summer's day. And I went, that guy is so stressed. And he's like, I've never even noticed. And he's that, he's that much in his happy bubble. He doesn't even notice other people aren't happy. And I'm mm. like, that's a real thing to be celebrated. But you just yeah. find such value in everything that you've got. And I think it's really something we seem to all miss out on a lot more, right? Yeah, definitely. It's one of those frustrating, confusing, confusing things about life. I, I definitely have some friends that, have less ambitions and are just super happy and i got one friend that um is in a job that he could be doing like a 
a slightly better job being paid more. And in coronavirus, it turns out like half of what he does isn't that needed. So he kind of basically works half a day each week, doesn't get paid crazy amounts, but he's got a pretty chill life and just reads a lot of books, hangs out. And he's just so content. And I'm like, but you could be using that half a day just every day to start like an Amazon business or like do something to become a millionaire or whatever. And he's just like, that sounds a bit like stress or something. And I'm like, I can't be happy if I'm not stressed. <laughs> I have to do things that are really difficult. And I get so bored so quickly if I'm doing things that I'm good at mm. all the time. I find, <laughs> and I, I find, have to be failing. I was in a car the other week and I was, and I don't drive fast, but yeah. I just felt my mate was in the car and he's like, what are you rushing for? And I was like, I have no idea. And he's like, you're really like rushing. And we weren't mm. going anywhere. It was like a Sunday. We we're going to a pub for some Sunday lunch. We had no table booked. We weren't late. There was no plans. And he's like, yeah. do you realize how mad that is? And I literally, yeah. I laughed at myself and I went, it's just a weird thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I was frustrated at. I don't know what I was at. And I was, wasn't in the moment with him chatting to him. I was focused on some woman in front of me doing 25 and a 30, which is perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. Because she wasn't doing 28. <laughs> what the hell? Definitely. Yeah, I, I find it amusing how, how weird different things make us stress. As I've, most things I've been quite good at not getting stressed by and around like, like driving and stuff, if it doesn't really make a difference to your day. But there's always a few things that I think rile some people up that I'm worth it. I did a Vipassana, if you know that, like the 10-day silent retreat. And that, um, that was ace. Because I used to think I was pretty chilled out, but there was some stuff that used to definitely annoy me. But then... Definitely came to terms with like a lot of de- my demons like there that it's just sort of like irrational stuff that you have. Things like sort of the driving and being like, actually, I'm just going to spend more of my day being annoyed that, that I don't need to. And like, I'm sitting in a car with my friend, right? And yeah. I like spending time with That's my friend. I laughed. I laughed. It could be like a 20 minute longer journey. And I'd have enjoyed that. that. We were driving like three yeah. miles. So even if I went to 80, we'd have only been there about a minute faster. Yeah. Yeah. A 10-day retreat. I don't know. Oh, mate, do it. So good. <laughs> I'd start with a one-day. I'd have to start with a yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. It it, it, again, the idea freaks me out. So then part of me, my brain's now trained. If it freaks me out. It's like, if you're I'm curious like, and scary, yeah. it's like, you should do it. That, that's what out? sold me on it. I I no one can tell me why. Putting me yeah. in. Listen, thank you so much for today. Um, there's a thousand and one things that are going on. Anyone um, that wants to come off uh, and find more about what you're doing, how you, how you're getting on, how they can follow you. What have you got going on? Tell people where they can find you. Yeah. So in terms of what I've got going on, I run a podcasting company called Reason FM, where we're trying to make the best place for podcasting, like a YouTuber podcast, where it's free to run your podcast. You can do your recording, you can have your guests, you can host it in one place, distribute it, and you can engage with your audience all under one roof and monetize Mm -hmm. because these are all different tools that are paid for and they don't work together. And it's just stressful when you're running a podcast, particularly like YouTube, Instagram, Substack, all of these creator places are all free to use and you kind of just do it all in one place. And it just doesn't exist in podcasting and it's super stressful. So as you know, I like taking on difficult, big tasks and making life more happy and fun. So I'm trying to solve podcasting and it's going to be awesome. So if you want to run a podcast or anything, you can join us. Or if you listen to podcasts, it's a social platform. So you can engage with other people in the platform and talk to them about your favorite podcasts, including me. So you can find me on Reason FM. My username is just Sam. Uh, so is it what? ReasonFM.com or Reason.fm? Reason.fm. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. Don't worry. I, uh, That's what I'm doing. 
skills. Nice. So that's what I'm up to mostly. I also run the Growth Mindset podcast where I've had Olympians, founders of Skype, Siri, Just Eat, people like that on and learning about life. And it's great. And I run a few other podcasts, but if I say too many things, it's just a bit confusing. <laughs> so um, I think that's probably enough of what I'm up to. I also like adventure, as we've mentioned. So I've done ultramarathons, climbed crazy mountains, hitchhiked across Kazakhstan, been to North Korea. Uh, so just in case you didn't think I have an attention deficit disorder, I definitely do. I have to do pretty I big, think it sounds things. good, though. I think it sounds yeah. good. Mate, good. thank you so much for coming on today. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, guys, make sure you go and check out Sam's. Uh, I just think I'm just more intrigued now. I want to go hiking across Kazakhstan. Um, oh, you should. This is how quick my brain gets drawn in. Uh, guys, thanks for joining us on this, another episode of the Sales Masters Podcast. Join us for the next one. Like, share, and all that jazz. Subscribe, um, and make sure you go and give Sam an amazing follow as well. Thanks for dropping by, Sam. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in today. I'm so glad you popped by. If you've liked this, give it a share, subscribe, even give us a rate and review. Share it out to someone who knows, and I look forward to seeing you on the next edition.